Welcome to Media Mavens, a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss our favorite, or not-so-favorite, movies, shows, and games. I'm Pam. I'm Riley. Let's Let's get get started. Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of Media Mavens. I'm Pam, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Riley. Hey. How you doing? I'm super tired. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that's only because I... Was up super late last night. Yeah. Yeah. You should talk about why once you I get should. into what we've been doing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and with us today to talk about our main topic, which is Stranger Things, is our good friend Sarah. Welcome. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I am also tired. Yes. <laughs> <For> same reason. <laughs> uh, Sarah, do you want to tell people a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. Uh, my name is Sarah, and I have known Riley and Pam for a super long time. It feels like now. I think we're getting on <laughs> five years. Yeah, I thought I'd be close so. to that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, um, we met in our WoW Guild a long time ago, and we've been friends ever since. And I'm really excited to be on your show. And Yay. I'm, I don't know what to say about myself. I'm uh, back in school. I'm a graduate student at the University of Toronto, and I'm studying to be a librarian. And you do cool shit for Wowhead. Oh, yes. I'm also the content manager at Wowhead. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm like, totally, I haven't been working so hard on stuff lately, and I just completely <laughs> forgot to say that. Sarah, <laughs> tell us your resume. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> it's basically a job interview when you come yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> All right. So we usually start off the show with just what we've been up to in the last little while. Sarah, since you're our guest, do you want to start? Sure. Um, so the new D3 season started on fr- Friday. and it's Diablo. 3? Yeah, sorry. Diablo 3 season started on Friday. And um, it's kind of boring because nothing much has changed. But um, I am really addicted to that game. And I like clicking things till they give me loot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's <laughs> So, um, yeah, I've been playing a monk, which I haven't played since season one. And uh, so it's nice. And that's sort of refreshing. Um, but it's otherwise more of the same. And... I'm hoping there's going to be a Diablo 4 expansion announcement at BlizzCon, because, yeah, it's really boring. Um, <laughs> uh, and I've also been playing League of Legends a lot. Um, I don't really know why that game like is so aggravating, but uh, <laughs> I really love the champions. I'm mostly in love with the champions. I'm not actually in love with the game. Uh, I yeah, like the new, like, Cled. New... Yeah. yeah, and then awesome. the... A bunch of them have new, like, video game skins. Oh, yeah, the new, uh, the Ari and, uh, Ezreal and Quirky yeah. arcade skins. Yeah, the, oh, the Ari one's so good. I'm obviously going to be spending money on that. Yeah, <laughs> League of Legends for me at this point is, like, Princess Party dress-up time, and I I only <laughs> play, like, cute girl champions and yordles and buy all the skins, so. Um, and then I started playing Pokemon Go because um, it finally came out in Canada, and we finally got the servers to chill out and yeah so that's what i do for my five hour shifts at work is play pokemon <laughs> nice <laughs> yes. what team are you i am mystic is that blue <laughs> blue i'm team mystic boo i'm sorry <laughs> oh no we're gonna have a gang war yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i'm team instinct so i'm like hide in the shadows and take gyms after everything it's the hard work <laughs> is there really a difference in, in any play terms? No, I think it's just thematic. No, somebody told me once that there was, and he was like, oh yeah, Team Valor, their, their Pokemon are more powerful, and Team Mystic, they 
their Pokemon do this thing, and then Team Instinct, you can you can see when your enemy Pokemon are going to do moves so you can dodge them faster. And I was like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> like, it's, it's a fucking phone game, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's so you can, like, I picked Mystic because they were like, we're the smart ones. And I was like, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> we're Valor, like, the, the partiers and... You know, I don't know. So yeah. <laughs> so Mystic's I, like Ravenclaw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like typical nerd, you know, differentiations or whatever. Awesome. Um, as far as watching things, I watched Zodiac uh, the oh. other day. I know, which I watched it because <laughs> I'd been meaning to watch it, and then you mentioned it how bad it was, and I was like, all right, I'm just gonna like power through it. And it has the most amazing cast, like mm-hmm. ten amazing actors in that movie. And the movie is absolute garbage. It is so dull. Oh, no. And I just, no. yeah, I would not recommend it to anyone unless, I don't know, if you like like looking at Robert Downey Jr., sure. But oh, other yeah. than that, it's just... Yeah, that oh. was basically all I liked. And he looked like a Total dandy weirdo. fop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, how do you take a movie about a serial killer who sent encoded messages to newspapers and make it super dull yeah like i don't i I feel like that movie like if it had been an hour long and a play a live action play it might have been interesting but yeah not good for like a three hour movie no (gasps) no, no, yeah and why was it three hours (laughs) um i also watched honeymoon which was just added to netflix which um is a really scary horror movie uh with i don't know the actress's name but egret from game of thrones is the There's only two people in the whole movie, basically, and it's a husband and wife, and they go on their honeymoon to a secluded cabin in BC, uh, and very, very, very terrible things happen to them. I won't give anything away. Um, The ending was a little disappointing, but it was actually totally scary. Really friggin' scary. (laughs) So I recommend it. And plus, she's she's really good, so. Um, I'll have to check that one out. That sounds kind of like the one with Liv Tyler. It is, except um, the, the badness is not other people ish oh, okay um it's oh. uh more like psychological <laughs> thinking about it is like making me give me shivers um i also watched the big short which i know riley also watched recently. Yeah. um mm-hmm. that was a scary movie for a whole other set of reasons mostly yeah. because the economy <laughs> is terrifying and it's really sad um but yeah another good one and uh deliver us from evil which was um, something I watched a couple weeks ago, uh, which was, it's a horror movie that actually got pretty good reviews, but it was really bad. It was basically, um, uh, like a creepy Latin curse from the Egyptian pyramids, but, um, starring cops. So it was oh. like cops solving the Egyptian curse crime. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really strange. So yeah, that, no, very bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, and Riley, what have you been up to? Uh, the new Hearthstone expansion came out today, yeah, I think. It's so good. Yeah, so I played the first wing, and that's it. Uh, because I'm going away, and I don't, I don't want to buy, um, I don't want to buy a wing, like a bunch of wings, and then not be able to play it right away. So, um, I only played the first wing, and I got to be Medivh, and he gets a bunch of really cool cards. Um, that like. One of them gives you, like, plus five spell power for the turn, so you, you can play that, and it's only, like, one cost or something. 
And then you have another spell that makes it so all of your spells cost zero, so you can start flinging, like, fireballs and shit that are worth way more than what they're supposed to be. Oh, right. Um, so that was really cool. Um, and then, uh, I mean, so I'm looking forward to playing the next uh, couple wings. Um, I find that I like the solo adventures in Karazhan much more than anything mm-hmm. else. I was going to say, the, so. the flavor of this expansion, like, I was kind of, like, eye-rolling about it, like, a disco in Karazhan, come on. But it is <laughs> amazing. It's so good. And I have a crush on Morose, for sure. Yeah. I like him. I like, Karazhan's such a good setting. It's probably one of the best. Yep. I think that I and Black Karazhan. Temple are sort of yeah. the best parts of WoW. Good thing yeah. that the entire next WoW expansion and also the pre-expansion are <laughs> Karazhan and Black Temple themed. <laughs> oh, <Nice>. perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's something else that I have to do is play the intro stuff, I guess. The What are they doing? Pre-expansion shit? Yeah, the um, invasions, demon invasions, and then there's like a Karazhan related quest lines starting next week, right. Right, uh, right. which I think has to do with moving Dalaran from one place to another. Oh, <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, yeah. yeah, so I should probably do that at some point. Um, and then uh, No Man's Sky came out, mm-hmm. uh, and so my boyfriend bought me a coffee, and um, it's kind of cool. Uh, I was confused for like the first. 20 minutes maybe about what exactly I was supposed to do. I find the UI kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it looks exactly like Destiny. It does look very similar. <laughs> it does. Um, I don't know. Like I, I, I find it um, I had to go to the start menu and like look up the controls which I don't normally have to do for for video games nowadays because it's mm-hmm. like slowly teaches you what to use. I don't know if I just missed a bunch of the tips or whatever. But I was like, what the fuck am I pressed to get in my spaceship? What the fuck do I press to get out of it? Like, I don't even know. And so I got frustrated. My yeah. boyfriend turned around. He was like, you press square. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> they seem to be very um, sort of stingy with when the instructions will come up. Like, I find either instructions for what buttons to press or, like, what your next objective is. It'll, like, sort of appear, and then it'll go away, and it's like, how, yeah. come back, come back. How do I make it come back? Um, yeah, like, I have uh, I have something that I activated, like, because I hit it twice or something, and now it's showing me, like, a destination on another planet as an objective. And I was like, I don't want to go back there because I just left. Mm-hmm. And I had already been to that destination, so I don't know how to get rid of it. Um, right. <laughs> so I hope I don't have an annoying quest marker stuck on my screen for the rest of the game. I think there is a fair bit of, like, back and forth as you're getting your hyperdrive um, yeah, I just, formula. Yeah, I just finished that. And then you have to go back and get, like, a, a fuel formula. So you did. there is oh, okay. a fair bit of jumping back and forth. Okay. Does, does that game have, like, a quest line that you complete and then you can be like, I beat the game, whereas other people um, are going to spend 700 hours... I think it, yeah. it does. Okay. Sort of. There's a couple. Apparently, there's three story paths, although I've only yeah. really seen two. Yeah. It's like, do this Atlas path, oh, it's I see. called. Like, something, some kind of presence is sort of compelling you in a certain direction, or you can be like, nah, I'm going to do my own thing. Thanks. Oh, I got instructions from another. It's a, a two, It's two people. Oh, right. Yeah. And then I guess there must be another one. Somewhere, yeah, I don't know. Um, like wh- the one thing, the things that I've liked so far is the languages. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent 
a ridiculous amount of time on the first planet that I was. I didn't even do any of the beginning quests, which is maybe where my problem is. Mm. <laughs> I didn't really, I just like, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do stuff with my spaceship yet. I want to go explore. So I like walked away. Um, and I went and found like different monuments and like clicked on them and then learned pieces of the language. And then it's cool because once you start learning the language, you can understand what some of the monuments are asking you to do. So uh, I came across one that was like a bird lands on top of it um, and it has a broken neck, but it doesn't look like it's alive and it gives you clues as to what you're supposed to do with the bird. So what I think I was supposed to do is shoot it, but because I didn't have enough of the language, I left it alone and then the monument didn't do anything. So the next monument that I went to, I understood more of the language and it was like inside of it, you can see it, you get like a vision of what's in inside it. And so it tells you, hmm. uh, this one in particular, anyway, this one, it was like, um, there's a creature inside and it looks like it's made up of different body parts of other creatures. And I was like, that's disgusting. Um, <laughs> And then it was like, and then, and then you get a line of text in the alien language, but because I know like 50 words or whatever, um, some of them were more clear. So one of them was like, uh, abomination, despair, like blah, blah, blah. And then it gives you an option of what to do so you can release it or leave it in there. So I left it in there and this time I got a response from the monument, which was, you feel an overwhelming sense of gratitude and your understanding of the language increases more. And so, once you understand what to do at the monuments, you can get more from them. But at first, you're kind of like fumbling over everything. Um, but so far, that's what I like most is like discovering random alien shit. Can I ask a dumb question? Yeah, yeah. Are there are there actual aliens? Yes. Oh, what do they look like? Uh, so I've met the Gek. Um, and they're like little lizard dudes that have like oh, big, like bulgy eyeballs and like beaks. Amazing. So they're like short, like bulbous-eyed birds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I should uh, look it up. I met them awesome. too, and then I also met another one that I don't remember, and they're like warrior people, Ooh. and they ha they're like big with sort of like horn sort of protrusions from their face and things. And then the latest ones I met look like men in spacesuits. Oh, <laughs> not so much aliens. <laughs> oh. But uh, the language and the monument stuff is definitely what I like the most, too. Mm -hmm. I was kind of disappointed because I, I got my hyperdrive and I jumped to the next system and the language is different. So I'm like, oh, all that learning. <laughs> oh, no. It doesn't apply anymore. So I'm kind of hoping I run into that first language again. But yeah. um, sort of that's my favorite part, whereas I find that the inventory management is so a real bad. pain in the butt. The worst. And the... Um, the combat is kind of poo. <laughs> yeah, I, I like killed it. I killed a sentinel, like one of the little flying drones on the planet. Mm -hmm. I killed one um, after I got like a upgrade on my mining tool to turn it to a gun. So I now it's like a shooting. Mm -hmm. um, and I was in space the first time that I jumped into space. I was like, cool, this is neat. And then there were cargo ships, and it was like, oh, you can shoot these, and it'll give you loot. And I was like, awesome. Mm. So I shot the fuck out of them. And then, like, <laughs> like, three Sentinel ships came out of nowhere and then destroyed me. So I died, and I had to jump back into space, 
get my shit again from where I died in space, and then I, like, fled to another planet, so. Yeah, my combat uh, experiences haven't been good. I did, <laughs> first of all, I, I didn't upgrade my tool to have a gun for a while, so a random animal attacked me on the planet, and I was, oh, like, no. shooting my mining laser at it, and it wasn't <laughs> doing anything. And Why then, you no work? Aww. And then the first time I went into space, I accidentally shot the space station, and then everyone just came and killed me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, accidents sound fun in this game. I like it. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, um, if it's completely for me, but, um, I'm enjoying what I'm doing so far anyway. I don't know if I'll get any further than the first system that I'm in, but (laughs) (laughs) we'll see. And where were you two last night? Oh, yeah. So, the Tragically Hip are on their last tour in Canada. So, I managed to score three tickets, so I invited Sarah and my boyfriend, and it was amazing. Yeah, it's um, people probably don't know that they're like a really super popular Canadian band, and they've been around for thirty-two years. And it was just really heartbreaking. I I cried the entire time because mm-hmm. um, it was really sad to be like, wow, this guy's. Uh, so so I, people probably don't know that the lead singer was diagnosed with a brain tumor, uh, and it's going to be fatal. And they were basically like, well, we're doing one last tour to say goodbye and then that'll be it so it was just really like heartbreaking to hear all these songs that i associate with like oh my gosh i'm gonna cry right now (laughs) (laughs) all these songs that i associate with like my grow my childhood you know like i kissed a guy for the first time while listening to the hip uh, you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. Uh, you know like making my best first best friends at camp uh listening to nautical disaster or you know whatever song so just like It was really rough. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it was rough, but like the, it was amazing. It was he was perfect. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody wants any advice on what hip songs to listen to, feel free to get in touch. They're really good. <laughs> yeah, the hip. I really like the hip. Are they that well known outside of Canada? I don't think so. Only in like Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I think like the northern, maybe like along the border a little bit, but other than that, no. Right. Yeah. It was like a, there's an article that's like the one thing the hip couldn't break into was the US, but then the rest of the article is like, but that doesn't matter because Canada loves them so much and like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I love the idea of the hip as like Canada's band and like everybody that I know knows at least one hip song, so mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's he's very much in vain with um Canadian literary figures for me, so like Margaret Atwood and mm. Farley Mowat and Robertson Davies and Gord Downey, to me, are all of equal literary stature. Yeah. He, he is a poet at just like Leonard Cohen or whatever. Yeah. So, that, it was basically like, if Margaret Atwood was like, I'm dying of cancer and I'd like to read you aloud my last book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 It was so good. It was good. And then yesterday was like a good day too because we caught hundreds of Pokemon. We did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Downtown Toronto has so many Pokestops and lots yeah. of Pokemon. Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> I had not, I, I caught like 10 ones that I had never seen before, so it was exciting. Yeah. 10 ones. I know how to speak. <laughs> 10 Pokemans. 10 Pokemans. 10 Pokies. What have you been up to, Pam? Uh, well, I've also been playing. No Man's Sky, which we nice. talked about. I made a video of it, like, early, yeah. and it sort of blew up 
for my channel at least, oh, so I was pretty excited about that. Nice. What else have I been playing? Oh, yes. Keeping with the sort of Stranger Things 80s callback theme, uh, I've been playing Shovel Knight, which is uh, the Cartridge Club game of the month, and it's mm. a 2D side-scrolling platformer sort of inspired by NES platformers. Um, it was a Kickstarter originally, and it was one of the sort of more successful Kickstarter stories. So it's basically an 8-bit graphic game. Uh, there's a lot of similarities to things like Mega Man and Zelda 2 and DuckTales. Hmm. And it's really good. Like, I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't play it till now. Um, it's basically on every console or PC at all and i'm actually finding that in terms of platforming it's actually sort of better than what it's paying um oh. homage to like it's uh i guess just because i'm playing i'm playing on a ps4 and just like the controls are so much tighter and it looks nicer and the music is amazing and i'm finding it actually better than most of the most of the games it's playing tribute to. So you start off as this guy called the Shovel Knight, and the story is that his buddy, the Shield Knight, was sort of either captured or he thinks they're dead or something, and he has to go fight an evil that's taken over the land. So it's pretty cool. It's um, There's a mechanic similar to DuckTales where he like bounces on his shovel and then he like, <laughs> smacks things with his shovel and he like digs up pile of treasure and it's just it's just really cool. I'm really enjoying it. Hmm. Yeah, I know a lot of people that talk about playing it, um, or who have played it. It seems like it's been out for a while, right? It's yeah, like an I think old so. game, but it's been out for a while. Yeah, a couple of years, I think. Yeah. Everyone I know who ever mentions it is like obsessed with that game. <laughs> I've never heard a bad word about it, or even a neutral word. Mm -hmm. I think like Broton tweets used to tweet about it maybe, and he's like. Everyone I know is like him, like obsessed with it, think it's the greatest game ever. So, yeah. Yep. It's uh, it's definitely very good. I've only beaten like three of the levels so far. I think there's eight total. I'm not sure. But uh, it's really fun. Although the last level I did, did the mechanic that some games used to do where they just make everything dark with like occasional lightning or something to light up the sky and make mm. you sort of platform through that. And that's... That's awesome. That's not like my it? favorite thing. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> I don't know. Sort of memory isn't my my strong suit uh, <laughs> or spatial awareness. So <laughs> I had a hard time with that. But I finally got through it. So um, I'm looking forward to finishing that game out. And then um, the sort of survival resource management aspect of no Man's Sky made me want to replay this war of mine, which is a super depressing resource management survival game based or inspired by the Siege of Sarajevo. Oh, uh, oh wow. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's basically focusing on civilians who are surviving under siege in a war zone. So you have a certain amount of people in this sort of hiding out in this house and sort of there's a day night cycle. So during the day, you can do things like you can sleep if you want. You can build things. You can like build a stove or some gardens to try to grow food or water catchers. Um, and then at night, someone has to go out to scavenge resources while other people sort of guard their house from looters. 
So you have to manage all sorts of things like everyone's hunger levels and their tiredness levels. They can get sick. They can get depressed. Like if you steal from someone else while you're out scavenging, that can make some people get depressed or if you don't help other people. Um, So it's pretty um, like it's a weird game. Like I wouldn't say it's a fun game, but (laughs) but I uh, (laughs) I enjoy it. Uh, I was considering buying the DLC, which is adds children to the game. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I haven't got it yet. Um, is there so... a dog in the game? No, yeah, there, no. no there's no dog. Okay, thankfully. good. <laughs> yep. Just, One step uh, too far. Yes. <laughs> um, I think that's about all I've been playing, but I've also been watching or i watched the first season of the expanse oh which is a sci-fi series based on novels um and it's sort of set in a future where humans have colonized the solar system but they haven't yet managed to leave the solar system so there's sort of three factions in this world there is earth which is sort of like in charge, I guess, and it's run by the UN. There's Mars, which is a military power, uh-huh. and then there are the Belters, who live in sort of outer planet asteroid belts, who are responsible for, like, getting sort of ice and air and water to the inner planets, hmm. um, and the Belters are sort of, like, the downtrodden group because they live in space, so they can't handle the gravity on Earth or on Mars, so they're basically out there just delivering resources to these inner planets, and they're not particularly happy about it, and they've made an organization called the Outer Planets Alliance, and they've been labeled terrorists when really all they're doing is being like, hey, uh, you can't just take all our resources and not give us (laughs) anything in return. (laughs) You know, terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it starts out the story, there's a detective trying to find a missing girl who's like the daughter of this rich guy, and it leads to this big conspiracy where they find advanced tech that no one's seen before, and it seems like someone is starting to, is wanting to start a war, but they don't really know who. Um, and it's pretty good. I, I really like it. It's got Anna's voice actress, Shorey Adashlu. I love her. Yeah. She's so good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, I really, it's really cool seeing her in that. And she's just like super like beautiful and glamorous. She's like this high up in the UN. It's really cool. And uh, the lead detective of the show is Thomas Jane, who's the lead from The Mist. I don't know if you've seen that. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah, he was the Punisher at one point too, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. If it's the same guy I'm thinking about, I hope so. I think so. Um, but my biggest complaint about him is that whoever is in charge of sort of costume and hair makes him look like the biggest douchebag in the solar system. Like, he's got this, like, one side of his head is, like, shaved up the side and his other is, like, long hair. Um, it's kind of a little bit like Josh Donaldson, actually, from the Blue Jays, but... But, and oh my then, gosh, only you would know what their haircuts look like. That's <laughs> awesome. But then, and he wears, like, a trilby, and I just want to no. punch him in the face. Like, his character is actually okay, but he just looks like the biggest douchebag. <laughs> what did you say? I like that insult, the biggest douchebag in the solar system. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm going to use that. <laughs> 
So, uh, but it's really good. It's got a really diverse cast of characters, and it's sort of got to the end of the season, and we're just sort of learning about this new technology and this conspiracy that's going on, and it's really cool. The next season is coming out at the start of 2017, which is... Um, like two years, like the first season started in 2015, so I'm not sure, I don't know, I think sci-fi does weird things a lot of the time, like their shows sort of come and go. Oh, yeah, that's a big break. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they want people to read the books in the meantime? Maybe, I actually picked up the first book. (laughs) Uh They got you. The plan is working. (laughs) Uh, but it's really good, and I definitely recommend it and i think that's about it for what i've been doing oh i've been reading the book console wars which is about uh nintendo and sega i want to read that so bad um is it good uh, though it's pretty good uh yeah so console wars it's about sort of sega taking on nintendo in the sort of start of the 90s and it's pretty cool i really like the marketing aspect of it and how uh, Sega went and sort of challenged Nintendo's like family friendly kind of mm. um, appearance by introducing Sonic and being like, mm. yeah, this is for like everyone else. This is for the outcasts and the older people and marketing themselves as much edgier than Nintendo. Wait, Sonic was supposed to be edgy? Oh, yes. Oh, awesome. I feel so edgy <laughs> now that I'm, I love Sonic. So, yeah. That's great. Gotta go fast. Yes. Yeah, gotta go fast. <laughs> Uh, so it's pretty good, although it's really long. Like, I feel like I've been reading it for a m- month or two, and oh, I'm not no. even halfway through. But it's pretty good, and it sort of drives home the fact that Nintendo has always been a bunch of dicks. So <laughs> They've been around forever, and they're not going away. Yeah, they've been not gathering goodwill lately. <laughs> no. <laughs> Shutting down fan projects. Someone archived, like, all the Nintendo powers, and they just shut it down they're like oh, they no shut really them down? yeah oh my gosh, that's terrible yeah that's really w- strange though. i thought internet archive had to get permission before they did that stuff i guess not mm-hmm. huh. yeah i'm not sure that's curious and awful mm-hmm. okay so our main topic for the show is the new netflix original stranger things which is a sort of horror drama that is definitely a throwback to the old sort of Amblin Entertainment era of movies. It takes place in 1983, and in it, a young boy named Will has gone missing on the way home from a D&D session with his friends. <laughs> and the show is basically about his mother and his friends and the police chief in the town trying to track down what happened to him. And it, you know, covers the sort of 80s themes of, like, growing up and what it's like to be a young boy in the 80s. And it eventually goes into the paranormal and government conspiracies. The boys find a girl whose name is Eleven, who seems to have been a subject of scientific tests and experiments. And then there are monsters. Yeah. Weird-looking monsters. Scary monsters. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, so just a warning, we will definitely be spoiling things, so if you haven't watched it yet, you should probably do that and Turn then come back, back. now. <laughs> so uh, I was just wondering, what is it that appealed to you about 
this particular show? Is it the 80s nostalgia? Is it just how it's done overall? What are your general thoughts? Um, I, uh, I really liked the story, actually. Um, it was sort of a unique take on things that have been done over and over again. The story, for sure, was the number one thing I liked about it, but I also really loved the theme. The atmosphere of the 80s, like, even from the first second I saw the font of the title, I was <laughs> like, I am gonna love this. Uh, you know, it was based on, like, even the title is, like, Stephen King-ish. Yeah. So, yeah, I was totally hooked from the moment one. I just remember, like, everybody talking about it, because um, I didn't watch it at first, because uh, I was like, nah, whatever, I'll find time for it, and then I'll get around to it eventually. And then uh, just sat down, like, one day. I didn't know anything about it, really. Sat down with my boyfriend and watched, like, the entire thing in a weekend. And, yeah, like, it just reminded me of movies that I used to watch when I was, like, a kid. Because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I was born in the 80s, so... <laughs> <laughs> like, the end of the 80s, so I didn't, I didn't live through any of that. But um, it just reminded me of, like, even, like, you know, dinners around the table, like... That's, like, a one of the yeah. scenes there is, like, um, you know, everybody's around a table eating dinner and somebody gets mad and stalks off from the table, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't have that in my well, life. You had siblings. Yeah, so yeah. So probably did, yeah. Yeah, I had two brothers, like, two, yeah. two I have two younger brothers, um, so, like, that kind of thing happened all the time. Um, <laughs> uh, so it just reminded me of, like, growing up and, like, really brought me back and like it like made me feel like growing up uh, most of my friends were boys so I would be like running around with them getting dirty and you know getting grass stains on my legs and stuff because had to keep up with the boys (laughs) so yeah it just reminded me a lot of of growing up in like a small town and uh needing to find our own entertainment whether that be you know uh, I didn't have D and D in my case, but like video games in somebody's basement or running around on our bicycles—super nostalgic. They really hit it right on the head. Yeah, I think that's the complaint, right? Is some people think that that's a negative thing, like that they're preying on people's nostalgia. But I think that's uh, totally fine. Oh uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think it's fine too. I I don't have a lot of sort of I guess personal relation to the content i mean when i was growing up it was basically just me and my mom so i don't have that like family around the table sort of experience (laughs) Mm. but i think it is sort of that nostalgia for particularly movies like the one thing that i thought of sort of the whole way through was just et that was just i was just constantly reminded of et and i used to watch that movie a lot when i was a kid i even had an et stuffed toy yeah (laughs) now thinking back it was like et is pretty ugly like and creepy it was just so scary it was just this creepy et doll and it wasn't even soft like it was sort of like this (laughs) vinyl material and now thinking back i'm like why did i have that that's really funny um so that sort of brings us to our first question which is from STC Pod, and he asks, was the time setting of the 80s a gimmick to draw audience or a necessary ingredient to the story? So when I was thinking about this question, to me it's, it's, a, it's a funny way to sort of frame it as a dichotomy. Even if it was a gimmick, I think that's totally okay. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. But on the other hand, what separates the story from a setting of a movie, right? Or whatever, a book or anything. Like, is this a movie about the 80s? 
uh, or is it a movie about kids, mm-hmm. or is it a movie about aliens, or is it a movie about whatever, you know, so I don't think, I don't know if it's a necessary ingredient, but it's what it was about, so, yeah. yeah. I think mm-hmm. if you, uh, like, I, w- I almost want to be, like, ask the person that asked the question, like, when do you think it should have been set? Because yeah. if it was set now, the interactions that the kids had with each other wouldn't have happened. Um, like, everybody would have had a cell phone, and mm-hmm. everybody would have yeah. had, like, you know, a smartphone to take, like, pictures of the weird friggin' creature yeah. that they saw, or, like, to use their flashlights, or call each other or text each other. Um, I'm like, not that that's bad. No, it's no, just no. different. No, yeah, yeah that's, it's not to say it's, it's bad at all. It's just, it's, you know, a different era yeah. where kids are growing up and things are different. Um, so, like, the, you know, the interactions with the walkie-talkies where the kids are like, you have to yeah. say over when you're done talking. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that part. Yeah, like, yeah. those kinds of little, like, character things wouldn't have happened. They would have had to have been shown in another way, but because there's still, you know, a lot of people around who've lived through the 80s and were born in the 80s, like, that's something that we can all easily relate to, I think. Like, they've picked an era where there are still people around who've been through that time and people who know, you know, kind of what it's about. And then the younger people that are growing up, they can see kind of, like, um, you know, that it was different and, and we didn't have, like, they didn't have, uh, like everything, like, you know, high speed internet and like smartphones like they do mm-hmm. now. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point because if you think about it, putting it in a different time. So like, let's say there's four kids living in Poland in 1942 and their friend goes missing and they have to like track down what Sorry, this is a terrible example, but, you know, <laughs> what concentration camp he's been taken to, no one would be like, well, that's a gimmick. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. that's just what... So I think we need to start thinking about the 80s as, like, a historical period in which things are set, which is really, <laughs> to my 34-year-old heart, that actually kills me. <laughs> but I think that's now this what we have to do. Yeah, I think the question was cu- sort of coming from a place where there were those sort of very obvious illusions and throwback to specific properties from the 80s um though i agree like both from a technology standpoint in um what happens i mean no one having cell phones that's sort of an important part uh the thing with the walkie talkies and then that sort of bigger radio transmission thing that they're Mm -hmm. all excited about um that sort of would have been different in a different time even like the way a missing child is handled and responded to that would have been completely different had it been a later time frame Um, and then also with the experiments on 11 specifically like there was a very sort of cold war vibe with 11 spying on the soviets Mm -hmm. which is you know uh not a huge huge part of the story but i think and this is something that came up when the new X-Files episodes came out, where it was saying, like, sort of pre-9-11 in the sort of 90s, conspiracy theory shows were sort of more popular, whereas now, um, like, we know the government does a bunch of bad shit. <laughs> it's all true, so <laughs> that time is over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a really, I hadn't thought of that. That's a really good point. <laughs> Uh, and depressing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think just one more thing about, like, the references to 80s properties. Like, the I know, what I noticed were, like, the Evil Dead posters um, and uh, the lots of the toys they had around in the show. 
Um, I just I was thinking about the value of information and how shows reward uh, viewers for having specific pieces of information in their head. Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing my master's of information right now, and so this is the kind of thing that I now have to think about. Um, is like people think of that sometimes as like a nerd credential, where like I know about <laughs> the '80s, so I you know get to have more enjoyment out of the show than other people. But I think it just is a proof of the value, the inherent value of information, and, and that we get like, I I know that movie on that poster in that in the room, you know, where they're making out. So mm-hmm. that means I'm like a, I have, I get points, and I feel good for knowing about that. I thought, I mean, I definitely had those feelings watching the show. Yeah, yeah for sure. So yeah. I uh, <laughs> I had a, like a small similar experience because um, I recently learned about trapper keepers. Nice. Um. And I had no idea what they were. Uh, So in one of the tabletop groups that I play in, uh, I complained about not having enough space to store my notes. (laughs) And uh, somebody, uh, it was Doc Webb, who we get questions from regularly, but uh, he was like, yeah, uh, he's like, you should get a trapper keeper. And I was like, what the fuck is a trapper keeper? Um, So I had to go. I don't think... I don't think they were very Canadian. No, no. Yeah. And so I was explaining to him. I was like, I don't know what that is. Um, um, so I had to like go look it up. And so when I saw the Trapper Keeper in Stranger Things, I was like, holy shit, I know what that is. <laughs> nice. What is Otherwise, a Trapper I wouldn't Keeper? Know. It's like. Oh, man. A, uh, I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to try to explain it, but I don't think it's going to go very well. Um, it's like a. It's kind of like the three ring binders that we had, but it's got like a flap that buttons on the outside and it's got extra um not duotangs like yeah like pockets and, and things to like hold your notes so it like traps your notes and keeps them like a trapper uh. keeper i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if they still make those i would totally they have a, i want a trapper keeper for school they do yeah they like Sweet. it's um there's a star wars one like oh specifically themed and like a hello kitty one but i don't know if there's like regular trapper keepers they're definitely branded with like other things now All right, so in terms of the casting choices for the show, uh, when I first heard of the show, I had no idea what the show was, but they Mm -hmm. said Winona Ryder was in it, and I was like, I'm sold. I need more (laughs) Winona Ryder in my life because I look on Netflix, and I'll, like, do a search for her, and it comes up with, like, two movies that I don't care about. (laughs) And so I was really excited to sort of see her back in action here, and I think she was probably the best casting choice like she was definitely the strongest actor in it which sometimes like i heard someone say she was like at 11 the whole time where yeah. <laughs> yes which made everyone else seem sort of uh subdued in um comparison but how do you feel about sort of the casting choices i think they were great like yeah. I, I i think i don't think that there was a bad choice anywhere mm-hmm. i don't know the names of the actor but the the guy that plays the cop Hopper, yeah. he's fantastic, and like even his like buddy cop dudes that like didn't <laughs> yeah. didn't didn't like believe him or or they were like okay you're you know taking this a little too far like even they were like I don't know super believable like young cop dudes who were like this is dumb we should be doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> What I liked about the Winona Ryder and Matthew Modine casting choices was that it that in itself is an 80s nostalgia throwback because in the 80s they were two huge 80s kids children's actors mm-hmm. like uh, so for me I was like oh my gosh this is like inception uh, <laughs> of like the 80s references so I thought 
even just the names alone, it was totally perfect because they're now playing the parents in movies that they would have acted in as children. So I thought it was great. And I love Winona Ryder. She's every 90s girl's hero, right? So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I love her so much. Uh-huh. Yeah. she. It's funny, the comment that you made about her being at 11, um, her character was meant to be like the hysterical mom. And mm-hmm. she did that. Like she made, but but we were kind of, we were on her side. So we got to see what she saw. So it's like her her reactions to everything that was happening were okay to the audience, but to the people in the town, it was like something's going on with her and it's not right. And But we were like, mm-hmm. no, we know what's going on. Yeah, I actually think that her acting chops made it um, acceptable to have a hysterical character. Um, usually I find those characters are like really stereotypical and yeah. obviously pretty shitty for women because it's always the mom who's going crazy mm-hmm. and no one believes her. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, uh, because her reactions were so genuinely acted, I was like, yeah, I too would be hysterical. Like, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought she was great. And then I think the other standout was the girl who played Eleven, uh, Millie Bobby Brown. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't even sit still as a child. I don't know how she, like, acted through being a calm... <laughs> You know, I know, I know, I was super impressed. I actually didn't know anything about her before I saw this, and so I started reading a lot about her, and she seems like she's going to be a really cool adult. Like, she's going to grow up and be an awesome actress. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, in, in my, like, fantasy world, I'm going to write a horror movie at some point mm-hmm. in my life. Um, and having no child actors is, like, number one thing on my <laughs> list of things not to have in my horror movie, but I actually... Her and the other kids were actually, I thought, really great. Uh, I didn't hate them, which is usually what happens with children for me in any movie. I, I hate yeah. them. So, uh, yeah, I thought they were all pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was good, too. Another sort of similar movie or callback movie that people talk about is The Goonies, and I hate The Goonies with a passion. Oh, really? oh, I actually really like that movie. Like, it's just children screaming for two hours. That's how I view The Goonies. Okay, so, fair enough. So this, uh, this was surprising in that I actually liked all all the children actors and i didn't find them annoying uh the main who was the main kid mike 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 yeah i liked him i liked lucas and how he was always like what is wrong with you (laughs) yeah and i liked dustin dustin was just adorable a a great great comedic relief yeah yeah (laughs) yeah he was very funny yeah they were all i honestly like i think this is the first movie that I've watched in the last decade that I didn't hate all the kids. Mm-hmm. So, A plus on that. Now, in terms of Eleven, do you feel like her character was um, sort of developed well enough? I found the acting was great. Um, I know some people have had sort of issue that she wasn't really developed. She was basically either kicking ass or looking scared the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I thought, I don't know, taking given her sort of history and what she had been through, I felt like it was sort of an appropriate amount of character development that took place. Oh, same. Yeah. For sure. I think they, they washed out her character. That was the whole... I mean, my impression was that they broke her down so that her only focus was being able to use her mind in certain ways. And, mm-hmm. and like, not... Like, shaving her head, for example. Like, that's a, a good proof and a good allegory for, like, removing her character. Right. Yeah. So maybe she just didn't have one to be developed. That's true. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know, that's 
a hard question. Like, because thinking about it now, I'm like, well, yeah, I wish we kind of maybe learned a little more or saw a little more of her personality. But I think, like, at the very end, we kind of saw exactly what, like, what she would do for her friends, just like any of the other boys would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's probably what what their relationship, the kids at least, that's what their relationships are about, which is like, you know, you fight to protect your friends from bad shit, and she did that, so. Yep. Yep. Good call. Yeah, totally. Little fun uh, Eleven-related question <laughs> by a Latino lawyer. Who wins in a duel between Eleven and Ray from The Force Awakens? Do they both get lightsabers? <laughs> <laughs> can, they, can they just be... Instead of a duel, can we just have Eleven be raised like protege? Yeah. And then they go fight everyone together. That would be cool. I saw a, a meme of Eleven as a Pokemon evolving, and it was Eleven, and then that Mega Sonic teenage. Oh my gosh! And yeah. Then, and and then, then Furiosa. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's perfect. Um, who would win in that duel? I think Eleven is all-powerful, so mm-hmm. I, I would say that she would win, for sure. I think so, too. I think maybe when Ray's had some training and her sort of Jedi mind powers are yeah. stronger, she could win. I mean, like, in a lightsaber duel, she could win, but I think Eleven's mind powers are stronger. Yeah. Is that what's going to happen in the next, not, I know not the next Star Wars movie, but the, the sequels or whatever to A Force Awakens, is that she's going to become all Jedi-ish? I assume so. I don't, I don't know anything about Star Wars, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That'll be cool. I think that's probably, like, the general theme. Sweet. Like, Luke is going to train her. Okay. I like training montages a lot. Yeah. So there better be some of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to talk about the D&D connection a little yeah. bit. We mentioned this a bit in our last episode, but I thought it was really cool that, first of all, the show basically opens up with the four boys playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and then that sort of carried through basically the whole series based on, like, the sort of lingo they used and sort of comparing the monster to the monster that they were fighting in their D&D game and talking about the sort of alternate dimension in terms of D&D. I thought that was a really good... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. A really good thing they did there. Yeah, every... Like, everything that they did... They, the way that they ended up relating to the world and relating to the weird shit that was happening was going back to their D&D source books and being like, oh, this weird thing that's happening in real life is exactly like this other weird thing that happens in our, like our D&D game. So if we do the same kind of things, we should be able to figure it out. Yeah, I love watching them use logic like, okay, but he sacrificed himself and cast the protect spell or whatever instead of throwing the fire or he threw the fireball instead of this i was like this is beautiful logic <laughs> everyone just like go back to your roles and think about your D game and i thought it was really adorable yeah. but i also have to say the so i watched this with a guy i was dating at the time in the last couple months and as soon as the monster came onto screen he was like um i'm sorry that is not what a demogorgon looks like and i was like <laughs> oh my okay. god okay <laughs> like they have a spiky tail and two heads and i was like <laughs> Okay, I don't know. It's I'm a sorry. metaphor. I don't know D&D. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. Okay, whatever. They're relating it to a D and D monster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. It's not literally. And it, ma- it did make me want to play D and D, and I need to find some time to do that. Guess who has the Dungeon Master's Guide? I know you're ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you like Dungeon Mastering, right? I do. 
Yeah. So. <laughs> Actually, that's one thing I was thinking about with D and D in this and Stranger Things is like I was I know kids played it in the eighties and I'm sure kids still play it now. But to me, it's amazing that like eleven year olds can think of stories. Like I don't, maybe I don't know <laughs> what kids do. I just I know I haven't spent a lot of time around children. I guess, but like the fact that they can organize a game and be a dungeon master to me is like I'm super impressed by kids now who did that. I guess I don't know. It seems so complicated, but maybe it's not. Yeah, I have that same problem where I'm like, oh, kids can do that. Whereas I just don't spend any time around kids, so I have no no idea <laughs> at all. Yeah. Yeah, but I liked how they sort of carried that D&D thread through the whole thing. I found there, that the writing in the show was really good. Like, there was nothing that sort of came out of nowhere um even in the first episode they look at the quarry and the cliff and that sort of comes into play a couple times down the road and i found they just really set everything up very well so there was some foreshadowing but there was also just like no no um cop outs cop outs yes <laughs> yeah yeah the only thing that i found a little weird was the uh mike and l kiss I was like, uh, I don't know about this. I mean, I guess he's probably she was probably the first girl that he like ever had any feelings about. Mm-hmm. But I was still kind of like, you made this like you made it super clear that it was really important that you guys were friends and that this is what friends do. Friends don't lie to each other. Oh, but also I'm in love with you. So that was the only part where I was a little iffy. But even that was okay. I thought. Yeah, I was a little weirded out when it first happened, but I mean, you had sort of seen it coming yeah. throughout, like his friends ribbing him about how he had a crush on her and things like that. I feel like from her end, she was just like, what are you doing? We got shit to do. <laughs> I feel that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no time for kissing. Just let's get on No time for love, Dr. Jones. Yeah. Exactly. As we go on... In the show, we find out there's this monster, and he's coming from this place called the Upside Down, which I guess the best way I can explain it is it's sort of an alternate dimension. It's sort of the tests that they had been doing on Eleven at that secret facility were sending her through, I don't know, time and space, whatever, to go spy on Russians and things like that. And as they were doing that, some beast got through the... I yeah, I'm having. No, a- I think that's the, that's the best way to explain it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or if you use the D and D thing, it's like the veil of shadows that was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and the veil got torn. Yep. Yes, the veil got torn. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you think that that was handled? Do you think that the um, this is another question from a Latino lawyer? Are the adults in Stranger Things too quick to accept the supernatural they encounter? I was trying to put that in my head, like, I think if you're looking for a lost child, things take over your your instincts, like, your instincts just don't care about accepting the supernatural or real. I suppose you wouldn't care about accepting it or not, you would just be like, I don't give a shit if there's a real monster looking for me, I just need to find my kid. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I can really rationalize how, because they really did accept it very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the only way that it can be rationalized, and probably would be rationalized. Like, I know... Adults do superhuman things when it comes to protecting their children, even, and animals do too, so, yeah. So Joyce is the one who starts believing the supernatural stuff earliest, which makes sense given that it's her kid that's missing. One thing that I was sort of 
bothered by is that, you know, she super believes, like, when she gets the phone call, she's like, oh, that's Will. That's Will's breathing. I can tell. But in earlier in the episode, when the police chief saw that the dog was barking in the backyard, and he's like, oh, what's going on? And she's just like, oh, he's hungry. And he just she just, like, ushers the dog inside. And I was like... Don't you see your dog has a connection to your child? Like, why do you just brush the dog off? But, like, you get a strange phone call and you're like, oh, my God, it's it's my son. Yeah. I wonder if there's, like, some, like, character background thing that we didn't get to know about the relationship with the dog and Joyce. Maybe that was the ex-husband's dog that the kids took to, but she was like, it's a fucking dog. Maybe. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then I suppose as far as everyone else, um, Hopper? Yes. Yeah. Uh, He, I mean, he didn't really believe her until he found the sort of fake body, right? Yeah, at the morgue. Yeah. Oh, that scene was incredible. Mm -hmm. It was so good. Yeah, the whole time I was sitting there like, oh my god, he's gonna cut him. And then I said, like, smacked my boyfriend in the chest and I was like, he doesn't have autopsy cuts. Like, they didn't do one. (laughs) So... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I liked how they explained the whole upside down thing, like, through D&D terms. Um, especially when L flipped the board and the kids, like, took them a second, but then they instantly got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, like, given given the context of the show, I didn't think that they believed things too quickly, except for maybe... Joyce, because she kind of, like, took off as soon as something happened with the lights. Um, and, like, did the whole thing with the Christmas lights and the letters on the wall, which is brilliant, by the way. Mm-hmm. I like that part. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think they were too quick to accept, like, the weird shit because it was happening around them. And it's such a weird circumstance where, like, you know, a good kid went missing and and nobody yeah. could find him and you know the only thing that they could do was you know go to the weird weird shit mm-hmm. and then hopper actually had proof when he went to look at the fake body so but i love that feeling you get when you're a character in a movie or a show is trying to prove something and no one will believe them and like no one knows if it's true and then you're like you know it's true and then they yeah. find proof in the show and you're just like oh your heart like explodes <laughs> with the validation feelings I yes i was so love worried that he was gonna die after he found out yeah because like, mm-hmm. i i don't i didn't know if like he was casted to be in the whole season or what but i was like oh my god he's gonna die he found it out and they're gonna find him and he's gonna die Ugh. i was constantly afraid people were going to be killed. Like, after that nice man that owned the restaurant got yes. shot, Ugh. I was like, was I was awful. afraid that the police chief was going to die, and then I was Barb's really, parents were gonna really die. afraid that the like the science teacher was going to die, because they oh, went to yeah. talk to him, and I was like, no, no don't shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> I think, do you think it's because they were so afraid of Elle by that point that they were just, like, not worth it to, like, even try to shoot this guy? She might just show up and, like, explode us with her minds or whatever <laughs> or with her mind uh, i think they killed the first guy because like he had her he was a blocker whereas this yeah. the, the science teacher oh, I see. just okay, like good, they could get point. information from him yeah. yeah and then like everybody else that was kind of associated with who they thought knew where she was it was like well if you kill one of them then it's like a like right. a community that they're in so you kill one of them somebody's gonna notice something weird is up mm-hmm 
So in terms of how they did the upside down, uh, a comparison I've seen is to Silent Hill, which I think the actual filmmakers brought that specific reference up. I can definitely see some both visual and sort of thematic um, comparisons there. Mm -hmm. Didn't you just start playing Silent Hill 2? Did you get the dog? And then- <laughs> uh, I like I I just played started playing like I've played like half an okay. hour. So I think visually there's a lot of uh, similarities between the upside down and then how Silent Hill is presented with like the ash or Definitely. whatever it is mm-hmm. floating through the air. It's sort of I don't know. I think they just presented it in such a cool way when you see them go in there and one person is in and one is out and they're basically in the same spot but they can't yeah. see yeah. each other. Yeah, the the whole sequence with Nancy and um, the older brother, I don't remember his name, mm-hmm. um, where she gets, she goes into the tree, and I was yelling the whole time. I know! I was <laughs> like, don't go into the goddamn tree. And then, you know, he yeah. could hear her voice, and she could hear his voice. And then when she was getting pulled out of the tree, and I was, like, shouting again, like, the tree's closing, it's closing! Oh. It was crazy. But yeah, the whole, like, where where two people can be in the same spot at once was really good. Like, big, like, parallel universe kind of thing. They just overlap. So something we touched on a little bit when we talked about Eleven. Um, I read a number of articles saying that though the show is really good, the one sort of blind spot they have is with their female characters. And a lot of people find the female characters are sort of less developed than the male characters. Do you think there's anything to that? I have to be a little snarky here. I I don't think any of the characters... I mean, it's like an eight-episode thing. It's (laughs) Mm -hmm. not like War and Peace. You know, they're not... I just don't think any of them are particularly developed. And I I think that's Mm -hmm. on purpose. uh, Because it's... In in those 80s movies, sci-fi, horror, fantasy movies, the characters aren't particularly developed. In in sci-fi, horror, and fantasy movies in general, the characters are not particularly developed. And on the other... On the flip side, if you're talking about, like, a gender split... I think this movie was about boys saving mm-hmm. their friends, uh, you know. So it's not that the female characters got less airtime or whatever. Actually, in my head, this movie had that Winona Ryder got the most screen mm-hmm. time. But maybe I'm, maybe that's just because I liked her the best. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't think I agree. But I'm sure maybe that was just my viewing of it. Yeah, I don't know. I think that if they were to spend more time on any of the other characters, it wouldn't have worked as well. Yeah. Like, you know, the big thing was following the boys on one side and um, Joyce and Hopper on the other side. And it's kind of funny how they never really connect until, like, the mm-hmm. very end. Or do they ever? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. They go find uh, them in the junkyard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, like, even Nancy and the older brother, too. Like, they they connect, too. But it's, like, different streaks of storyline. Like, it... It like kind of reminds me of like, <laughs> like high school almost, and with with like you know you know your you know friend you have your friends and then you have like your outer circle of friends, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know those people really well, and then you know some people kind of well, but they're still your friends. So like I don't know, it was like the the characters were there, and I don't think any of them were super underdeveloped. I I think that the amount of screen time that was shown to each character was probably pretty deliberate, and I think that the story didn't suffer for not focusing on anybody else. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, I've seen complaints about 
Joyce and like how we don't really know a whole lot about her aside from that she's looking for her son. But I feel like that's realistic. Like her mm-hmm. son is gone. Like that is her mm-hmm. 100% yeah. of her focus. Like yeah. who cares? I mean, well, we do see what her job was, but like who cares why she broke up with her ex or whatever? Like, yeah, who he cares? Sucks, <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't want to talk about yeah, it anymore. I think that it generally, I was fine with how all the female characters were treated, with one exception, which is brought up in a question from the doc web. <laughs> uh, and he asks, did Barb deserve better? Spoiler, um. yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, poor Barb. She did deserve better. Yeah, I feel like this is where they where they really veered off the, like, we're a serious drama genre into the, like, teenage slasher drama mm-hmm. or teenage slasher genre where they're just like let's just kill her off for no reason yeah <laughs> like, it felt damn. like her uh, there i mean i think there was a reason and the whole reason was just to get nancy involved yeah and okay, i think yeah. they could have done that yeah. other ways like her little brother's best friend is missing like they could have brought that in some way like that but that's yeah. sort of used to just get her with jonathan yeah but i yeah i think Barb definitely deserved better. And that was the one part where it wasn't particularly well done. Like, Barb disappeared well after Will, and for some reason she's dead, and he's not. And, like... Yeah. Yeah. I wonder uh, if that's got something to do with, like, she cut herself. So, like, one of the things that they they discover is that, like, blood attracts the creature. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Did Will end up having, like, blood on him? Uh, hmm. Good. That's good. Yeah, maybe that was the, like, slight difference between them. Mm-hmm. Like, because I know he fell off his bike, but uh, it seems like he managed to, like, hide pretty well. But, like, Barb cut her hand and she was, like, bleeding, in, like, into the pool. Granted, it wasn't a lot of blood, but it was enough to, like, attract this weird creature. But I found it weird that, like, even her mom was, like, no, she didn't come home. I thought she was with you. And then then there was, like, no other questions. Like, they didn't even go looking for a barb. Yeah, I think there was one scene sort of in the montage where they find what is supposed to be Will's body. And there's you sort of see Barb's parents with Nancy and her mom sitting in the living room. But other than that, like, there's no... There's no big search for Barb. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought that was kind of strange. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like that, they could have easily made Nancy invested um, in other ways. Like, mm-hmm. even when uh, Jonathan, like, spills the photographs or whatever, and there's, like, a weird creature behind her friend, mm-hmm. you'd think that, like, that might have interested her, even if she didn't die. Like, oh, my gosh, my friend's got this weird, creepy thing behind her. Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, then she wouldn't have had that dynamic with Jonathan to begin with, so. Right. I don't know. I mean, obviously, yes, yeah, she deserved better. And I think, like, maybe she could have been saved somehow in the Upside Down. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if her, her death was a necessary thing, but her disappearance was. So while we're on the topic of the female characters, uh, there's also another question from Mateo138. And he asks, what did you think of Nancy staying with Steve at the end? Uh, Steve was to me like the quintessential 80s movie mm-hmm. character. Just like the preppy 
bro who wants to like get in a girl's pants. So I I don't know. I I had to his little redemption arc. I <laughs> felt like maybe he deserved to you know stay with his girlfriend, uh, just so that he could be happy. <laughs> but yeah, it was a little cheesy. But then again, would her dating Jonathan instead have been less cheesy? I don't mm. know. I find it was a good representation of somebody being a shitty person, but realizing that they made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and he comes back, like, pretty strongly looking to help, you know, and he, like, eventually uh, fights back against his friends and her so-called friends um, and, like, realizes that he actually likes Nancy. He just, like, strikes me as a person who was shitty in high school and then maybe he grew up to be a nice guy eventually. Which happens. Like, yeah. that's, a, that's a, like, a real thing that happens for people is they're shitty in high school and then they become nice people later. <laughs> Yeah, I was sort of disappointed when I first saw it, but then I sort of like how they turned the trope on its head. Like, you expect that Steve's going to be a dick, and then Nancy's going to get together with Jonathan. But I did like that Steve realized he was a dick and apologized to both of them. And also, Jonathan, like, took semi-naked pictures of her without yeah. her being aware. Yes, so that was so he's, weird. You know, yeah. he's not exactly a... Uh, a good actor. good person either, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, Nancy needs to move out of that town, settle down with yeah. somebody else. <laughs> so, why do you think this show was such a hit? From the last thing I read, it was almost rivaling Game of Thrones in terms of oh wow popularity. Wow. That's wild. I think it was. I think for me at least, and why I would think it's such a big hit is that it was like a really nicely tied together package. There were no cliffhangers really (laughs) other than the really interesting hopper part at the end. And there were no like, again, cop outs. There was nothing to be disappointed in. It was just like, it was like eating a really good sandwich. (laughs) Like it was just, everything was good and all there and it was all together and it was all what you needed. And it sort of scratched a lot of itches and it was really rewarding. So there you go. Yeah. It's not like watching. That's a hit. A bunch of series like it was its own you know like true detective where it's like it's one thing and it's all wrapped up and then it's done in quotation marks and i think part of part of what helped is definitely like this kind of resurgence of of dnd that started Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and so you know once once some people hear that you know here's the kind of things that are in this show like dnd is like, part of the main story thread, then that would probably draw some people in. But yeah, I think that definitely helped, because it's, like, blowing up right now. Yeah, because when I did, I when I uh, suggested to Pan that we talk about this on the show, I was like, has Riley watched it? And I was like, oh, you should tell her there's <laughs> D&D in it, because then she'll, she'll watch the show. Yes, I was very pleased to see <laughs> D&D in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree with all the reasons that you say, and I also feel like this, like the sort of movies and shows that it was um, sort of replicating or being influenced by. It's sort of like a kind of universal story almost. Like it really appeals to everyone. Um, The sort of growing up in a small town, whether or not you grew up in a small town or not, and like the sort of magic of childhood and then realizing what the world is really like. And then yeah. it sort of brings in sort of different genres with, like, the paranormal stuff and the relationships between characters and, like, the teen drama. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, yep. like, has a very broad appeal. I think also um, 
the show really rewarded the smart characters, like the kids who were able to figure out the radio thing and the blah, 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 and, you know, like nerd rewards <laughs> uh, happened in the show. And I think um, that it probably was really a wide, widely appealing as well, where people were like, yeah, the smart people won. They won the day. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, I was thinking about sort of what this is doing by sort of recalling the 80s. And I know a lot of people are sort of against the remakes and the reboots and the endless sequels and everything. And I see this as sort of a little bit different from those since it is its own Mm -hmm. sort of original property. It's just definitely influenced by other things. And I was thinking about sort of what could be next. And I was thinking it would be really cool to have 90s horror movies. I yeah. agree. Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. Scream. Scream. I know what yes. you did last summer. <laughs> um, I've been actually watching the uh, the television version of Scream right. that Netflix mm-hmm. put out. Um, there, we're just at the tail end of the second season. Or I'm just at the tail end of the second season. They just released the second season. Unfortunately, it, it's set now, uh, so it's not super 90s. Um, but it's really good. I, I mean, it's... Definitely schlocky, but uh, if you want a little throwback to that sort of style of like slapstick horror, uh, it's it's pretty uh, fun to watch, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, that would be. I did love Scream, and I know what you did last summer, and that would be a good uh, genre to have brought yeah. back for sure. Now, at the end, well, actually, we see it sort of midway through the show, I think. But do you think it was a mistake that we actually saw the monster multiple times throughout the show? <sighs> This is another thing that's on my <laughs> list of things that will not make it into my mm-hmm. horror movie, uh, is I'm never going to show the monster. I've always been really convinced that uh, whatever the audience can imagine is much worse than anything you could ever show. But I actually was absolutely fucking terrified by <laughs> the Stranger Things monster. Um, so in this case, I don't think it was a mistake. I think they did a good job, because it was disgusting. <laughs> I liked... Um all the shots of seeing it far away uh, mm-hmm. because it's like yeah. like person shaped but it's definitely yep. like the shape that it is it's like well that is definitely not human mm-hmm. um, oh. yeah oh, I'm thinking about it now I'm getting yeah. shivers <laughs> um, I thought it's head was weird but yeah. <laughs> other than that um, I don't know I kind of wish that they didn't show the monster until like the very very the end last scene. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and like you only saw it in shadow or you only saw it like in glimpses i like i wish we didn't see the whole the whole body of it um you know like yeah. halfway through the end of the season but i mean it's like such a small complaint about the show mm-hmm. in general so <laughs> yeah i think it was more effective when it was like a, a distant shot or the mm-hmm. really freaky ones for me were the ones where it was like coming through the wall yes oh those were God. really yeah. good <laughs> Like, I'm not disappointed we saw the monster. I also thought its head was kind of weird. Like, it was very (laughs) sort of flower-like. Yeah. Yeah. But that, like, the monster itself reminded me a lot of Silent Hill. Mm -hmm. The weird, like, doggies with the, you know, the mouths that open. They had, like, the tentacles inside. I'm like, sorry. (laughs) So it's really funny. So, of course, after being told what a Demogorgon actually looks like, I think if they'd actually had something that looked like a it would have been dumb. That would have been. Wh- oh. oh, really? I was like, I think they look scary I mean, and awesome with their like, I, like I, tentacle arms. And I, f- I feel like it's like we're. No, I mean, yeah, it would have been like 
creepy and, and gross, but like I don't think it would have fit. Yeah, I don't think it would have Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think fair it would have been too like fantasy horror instead of like weird gotcha. supernatural. Okay, true. You know? You're right. You're I, right. I just want to see, <laughs> I, I just want to see a D&D movie, apparently. Although I think they, they did, yeah. I don't know if it's any good. Yeah, it was it really bad? Probably really bad. Yeah. Um so on the topic of the monster, Musty Hobbit wants to know I'd like to hear your thoughts on practical versus digital creature effects. Did it work here? And what would you change? I'm a big fan of practical monsters. Mm-hmm. Wait, I don't like uh, like puppetry kind of like a man in a suit or a puppet or yeah. something as opposed to CGI. Yeah. Oh, what what movies had non CGI monsters? This wasn't a CGI monster. This was a man Get in a down. suit. That was really? a real suit. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I had no idea. Oh my gosh, it's so. I wow, thought it was I had CGI. No puppetry could no, be I so... read an art, a, wow. an art, an interview with him. He was like in the suit, and he couldn't see <laughs> unless like the the petals on his head were open, and oh my he had God. like animatronic arms that he was controlling because the arms were really town. long. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay, well that changes my answer then, because <laughs> I thought it was like CGI, and I was like, man, that was really good. But if it's a practical effect, that's fucking awesome. But I guess I'm on board with practical yeah. effect monsters. Yeah. It always Forget it CGI. makes me think of um, like Jurassic Park. Mm, that's exactly some, what I thought of. Yeah, some of them are CGI, but some of them are animatronic. Mm-hmm. And like Jurassic Park, I think is like the perfect example of how to do your monsters. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of practical effects. I mean, as you mentioned, yeah. Jurassic Park. I think if Jurassic Park had been all CGI, it would not stand up nearly as well no. as it does now. No. I mean, just thinking of something like Star Wars Episode One, where it's just like CGI all over the place. And it it's looks kind of bad, bad and yeah. lifeless and hollow. Guillermo del Toro, when he does his movies like Pan's Labyrinth, things like that, like those are all practical effects. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely in that camp for uh, for creature effects. And in terms of anything I would change, um, again, I just sort of thought its head looked weird. But mm-hmm. See, I, I thought that was super scary, but I guess it wasn't. I guess it well, did look a little bit like a flower, but I was still scared by the like center of it that was clicking oh. and gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anything that's got um, like a mouth that that opens to reveal like oh. inner tefers. You know? Yeah. No good. No good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe I just didn't like the way that it opened. Like that his head yeah. opened. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of how I would change that, but I'm not, I'm not really sure. I just, I didn't like the way that it opened. But if it was like, like, like a circle instead of like a petal where it like, you know, like peeled back to reveal like a, you know, gross circular tefers in the middle, that might have been yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm surprised that it's a, like a costume. Yeah, me too. I'm super <laughs> shocked. Also, how do they? How do they? Um, they burned it up. Well, that'll be CG. One thing I was gonna say was the Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro movie, which was a terrible movie, but I know that the monsters were also puppetry monsters. Was Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. I don't know. If it was with Katie Holmes and Guy Pearce. <laughs> it was just a, wretched, a totally wretched movie. But I urge you to Google the monsters because they're like really really weird looking and like so <laughs> creepy oh my gosh so yeah and it's, it's a good another good puppetry one yeah he's he Guillermo del Toro is totally committed to uh the Nazi yeah yeah he stuff, built um impressive because yeah like the set for the actors when they're in the kaiju no not the kaiju the um the Jaegers 
for uh, Pacific oh, yeah. Rim. Like he built them a set, so they are actually like being physically jostled around when they're in there. That's awesome. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, physical, practical effects over yep. digital every time. Yep. I even found um, when they were going in, sort of like the entranceways to the mm-hmm. the upside down. Like there was a sort of like mm-hmm. slimy, webby <laughs> stuff, and you uh, could like totally yeah. tell that was CGI, and it just looked looked very yeah. obviously like CGI. Yeah. So as we talked about, the show sort of wraps up in the end. They find Will. Everyone's happy except Barb, who's dead, and and Will, who ends up like <laughs> oh. barfing up a weird slug creature. Yeah. Oh, that was frigged up. Uh, mm-hmm. oh. But he got an Atari, so it's okay. <laughs> he did get an Atari. Actually, for me, the the like most important cliffhanger was the fact that they basically insinuated that Hopper's daughter was uh, in the Upside Down, and that he could somehow communicate with her by leaving oh. her things. Oh, yeah. in that that box. Oh, well, yeah, he left her. Yeah, Legos. so for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, Wait, that's what? like... I totally missed my... that. I thought I, it was just... I thought it was oh, for man. Eleven, yeah. So, oh, really? I thought it was for his daughter. Oh, maybe I'm totally I thought base. Eleven I thought was, was his like... daughter for a while. Oh. Well, Eleven see... was the daughter of that woman yeah. they went to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um. No, I thought he was leaving that stuff in that box and then driven off by the scary government dudes because mm. the deal was, he's like, fine, if you let me communicate with my daughter, then... I won't tell anybody that this all was your fault. Yeah, they do pick him up I, in a limo, right? Maybe I made that all up in my no, head. No, because he, oh, cause he leaves the Eggos, which L that's like Elle's favorite food. That's true, but I was thinking maybe if the daughter is also mm. part of the experiments or something, mm. that everyone ends up enjoying Elle's <laughs> I did <laughs> find that that was a little bit of a gap, because you see... Hopper and how his daughter died earlier and sort of this how this has led to his current situation where he seems to be addicted to pills and drink and and grumpy grumpy. and drinking a lot (laughs) but sort of the amount of flashbacks that there were made me think that there was something more that we weren't seeing like you can Mm. see how like okay he lost his daughter that's why he's particularly sympathetic to Joyce but it seemed like they just sort of kept sort of poking at that and I felt like what are what am I missing here like there's more to this story than her just dying okay so mark my words (laughs) that that's uh those egos were for the daughter and not for Elle yeah I'm telling you yeah. That was the deal. That was, he had to make a deal. And that was it. Yeah, because, well, they pick him up in, like, a car, right? And then we don't yep. we don't get to see what happens with that. Yeah, and so he, something right. happened. Yeah, and he doesn't seem surprised to see them. Yeah, yep. and he went into the Upside Down and he came out. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. the last person they sent in there died. Wait, and didn't he see something in the Upside Down that was... Like a stuffed toy that belonged to Yes, his yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, so this is what okay. I'm saying. She's totally That's in there. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Right. Shit. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, dude. You're right. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. So for me, like, I was like, oh, the kid's still fucked up. He's barfing up slugs. Like, that's terrible. But my, the big thing for me was that Hopper is going to see his daughter again. Interesting. Hopefully. I, that's what I would hope for. Mm. Anyways. Mm. All right. So we have two questions sort of about where it goes from here. One is from Vintage Video Game Geek, who asks, What theories do you have for Season 2? And X Huggles X asks, Do you want a second season where the kids are grown up and awkward, a completely different <laughs> Season 2, or no new season? 
I don't want the kids to be grown up and awkward. I want them to stay precious as they are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) My only thing for that would be if they could grow up and have kids of their own who get into mischief, that would be cool. Um, but no, I don't want teenage or teenage boys or they can have um, <laughs> they can have their their D and D game like still going after like a, oh, a awesome. bunch of years, <laughs> um, and maybe like some of them have moved away to like I don't know their first year of college and they have to do it online now. Although they wouldn't have had that back then. Never mind. Maybe I like I don't want I don't want like awkward teenage kids because then like. Are they going to have to find different actors to play them? Or, like, it might work better with completely new people. But then I want to keep those same kid actors because they were so good. Mm-hmm. Um. Although they'll be older next time and less cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, That's true. I feel like if they're going to continue it, they have to sort of do a direct continuation because of the sort of threads that they left hanging, like, people want to see what happens to Hopper and if Eleven's going to come back. Uh, but at the same time, I really wish that there were more just miniseries. Like, I wish people would just make an eight, ten episode thing and then just leave it, at, leave that. it at that. Yeah. Like, it yeah. seems like that yep. never happens anymore. Like, there's so many shows mm-hmm. that I can think of where it would have been like, had you just done this one season... It would have been fantastic. Like, there's no need to do five. Yep. Yeah. Not having a next season would be okay, too. I mean, I'd be disappointed because I liked it a lot. But if it ends up being worse, then it's like, well. Yeah. <laughs> the first, like, the first season is so good. Mm-hmm. What if they did it like they do on uh, American Horror Story, where they use all the same actors, just in a different, completely different story or setting? Oh. Oh, I really like that gimmick from American mm-hmm. Horror Story. Um, that could be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, these people, like, maybe not necessarily live the same lives, but they're kind of, like, stuck in the same storyline where, like, weird shit happens the to them. Universe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that would be pretty cool. Plus, I like all those actors, yeah. so I don't want <laughs> them to... I want them to make another season of something together because I thought they were really good together. Yeah, I, I sort of feel like they're they are going to make a season two, and it probably will be a direct continuation. <laughs> I think one thing I didn't put on the show notes, but I've seen the creators sort of retweeting people's eight bit art. Lots of people are making like oh. gifs and art of like what this would look like as an eight bit video game. It's so cool. It's good, yeah. <laughs> and I was just thinking about, like, what kind of video game should this be? Like, should it be a point-and-click adventure or, like, a beat-em-up where you pay- play each of the four kids? Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I've been really enjoying the fan art. Um, one of my favorite artists and YouTubers, uh, Angelina, Ooh, yeah. a- ALB in Wonderland, um, did a painting of Elle, and it was, like, I don't know, I almost cried. Like, it was so beautiful. So, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying the... Uh, the, all the fan art coming out of it. But the 8 bit stuff was really awesome. And like I saw one that was like um, 80s baseball cards oh, cool. uh, that they used to make with TV. Do you guys remember these from like, I don't know, they used to make movie and TV show cards that were the shape of baseball cards? I don't know if that, maybe I'm. I feel old. like I remember <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah, so they made them for Stranger Things, which I really liked. That's cool. And I've also seen people make like the VHS cases for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And like, that's the awesome. poster, like, in the style of kind of, like, 
the first Star Wars movie. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. All right, so that's all I had on the plan. Does anyone have anything we didn't cover or anything you want to bring up before we wrap it up? I just pulled up an article that was like everything you need to know about season two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, it's, it makes me nervous because it's like there, there's a 30-page document with stuff they didn't talk about. Oh, shit. Uh, about the Upside Down, and so season two will probably really focus on what goes on in the Upside Down. Oh my god. Do you think the monster is, like, somebody that they sent in there at one point? <gasps> oh my god, that'd be really cool. That'd be really And, cool. like, they got fucked up. Although, Elle opened the gate, yeah. right? So... But she's special. That's true. She's very special. Like, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I do want to know more about, like, this weird yeah. universe. <laughs> but it was just so perfectly wrapped up into, like, this package where they have, like, a perfect way to continue on with it if they want to, so. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that wraps up our discussion on Stranger Things. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us to talk to us. Thank you for having me. It was a blast as Thanks, usual. friend. I mean, not being on the show as usual, talking to you guys <laughs> is always a blast. Uh, so, if people want to find you, where can they do that? Um, probably the best way is my Twitter, which is at SereneWow, S-E-R-R-I-N-E-W-O-W, or um, if you can't remember that one, I'm accessible through the Wowhead Twitter, which we got verified today. Oh, nice. Ooh. And Riley? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at K-A-L-E-R-I with an underscore. And you can find me on Twitter at Josila underscore, or on YouTube, and my channel name is Cannot Be Tamed. If you have any feedback, questions, people, or topics you'd like to hear on future episodes of the show, you can reach out at mediamavenscast at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at underscore mediamavens. And if you like the show, please leave us reviews on iTunes or Stitcher. And that'll wrap it up for this episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah, was, they, were making, they were making fun of me uh, Riley and Brian were making fun of me because I pronounced the names of the Pokemon really strange and I was like yeah I am a white girl it was trying funny. to say like Japanese Pokemon names and I was like what's a what's a beetle droll or like, yeah like a I, can't, I don't remember what you called that one to begin with they're like Caterpie and Wait, how do you say Caterpie? It's Caterpie. Oh, I was like, that is a Caterpie. Yeah, Caterpie and like Clay Fairy. Yeah. Which is Cliff I Fairy. Know. I don't know how to say it. It was really so. funny. Like Ecans. How do you say that one? Ekans? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I wouldn't know unless I watched the anime. Like, which yep. I did as a kid. So like, <laughs> no, no. I, it, was I just, it was just funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to provide entertainment. <laughs> <laughs>